Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. I don't know if you're like me, but... um... You know, sometimes when I hear uh, the news people, weather people telling us we're going to have a storm, I just kind of go, here we go again. You know, that's going to be storm surge, it's going to be this, it's going to do this. And I'm one of those people who just kind of, yeah, I've heard it all before. I know nobody else is like that. You're much better than I am. And, and you just, uh, you know, storm surge, I've never had storm surge before. You know, they've said it all the time, never had it. Well, now I know what storm surge is. Now I know. And you know, sometimes we Christians get a little numb to the idea that Jesus Christ is going to return because we've heard it all before. We hear it over and over again, right? It hasn't happened. And we get numb sometime to the message, just as we did then. Well, I'm here to tell you today that a key to dealing with your future is understanding the return of Jesus Christ. So, in John chapter 14, Jesus is preparing His disciples for Him leaving. The end of the Gospels, so much of it is Jesus in that last week or so before His crucifixion, a little before, just here, here it goes, guys. Here's this, here's this, here's this. Telling them this is what's going to happen. And that's this chapter in John 14. It's what, exactly what Jesus is doing. He's not far from the cross. And here's what He says to them. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in Me. That's the verse we're going to look at today. There's more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'll come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am, and you know the way to where I'm going. And this great guy, Thomas, says, no, we don't know, Lord. We've no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So you and I come to that place where we understand that one day, life on this earth will end, either in my death or my rapture, one or the other. So how do I face the future? How do I deal with what's coming? And Jesus gives His disciples and gives us information, and He's very simple with it. And sometimes we miss the simplicity. So He gives them two great pieces of advice. The first one is, don't be troubled. Stop it. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't get all caught up in stuff. Don't start wringing your hands with, oh no, what's going on in this world? How are we going to survive? What's going to happen? People are so like this and like this and this. Oh, I just don't know that I can take anymore. I've had enough. I just don't understand why they're like that and why this is this. Stop it. Don't be troubled. You got it yet? Okay. Don't be anxious. Later on in the chapter, a few verses down, he says, look, I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. 
when the Father sends the Advocate, uh, who is the Holy Spirit, you know, when, when He comes, He will teach you everything, remind you of everything I've told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. He repeats it, doesn't he? He tells them again, stop it. Remember what I told you, I'm going away. I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you'd be happy that I'm going to the Father who's greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. So he begins with his conversation with his disciples and saying, look, here's what I want you to understand in the midst of all of this and what's going on. Don't worry. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Don't get anxious. Don't get all torn apart because of what you see happening in this world. Don't let all the junk that's going on and the messages that you hear upset you. I am leaving you with peace. Couple more months, Christmas is coming, isn't it? We celebrate that because peace was born into this world. Because this world can't give you peace, but Jesus Christ can. And so he begins with this whole thing. Here's the message don't be troubled. Clear, right? Simple, right? Well, oh, Pastor, I, I, I understand that, but I got a lot of questions. Get in line. I don't understand. Get in line. I don't either. So he says, don't be troubled. And then he tells us, trust me. Trust God. When you're troubled, when you worry, you are not trusting God. You're taking matters into your own hands. You're allowing fear to rob you of what's going on. So he says to his disciples, as he's beginning to educate them about what's going to happen, here's what I want you guys to understand. Don't be troubled. Trust me. Trust me. Okay. Now, we've talked before about the problems we have with trust, haven't we? We're, we're not very trusting people. But you've got to trust God. So what do I have to trust him for? Well, first of all, I have to trust him with the place that he's preparing. What's he telling his disciples? You trust me in this. I'm going to go away, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. It's a wonderful place. Heaven's a great place. Now, heaven is not a great place because you're going to get a house with a picket fence and horses in the backyard away from everybody else. Heaven is a great place for one reason— God's there. That's what heaven is really all about. But he tells his disciples, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Trust me. You're going to like it. You will not be disappointed when you get to heaven. 2 Peter 3.13, we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. God is not trying to save the planet. This planet will be destroyed. He's not going to remake it. He's going to make it a new one. Heaven's a place where God lives. Revelation 21.2. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed, 
beautifully adorned for what's going on and for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them and they will be His people and God will Himself be with them. God's home is with us. Wow, that's pretty cool. Now, just so we're clear, Satan has a home too. It's called hell. God's home is here, a place of perfection, isn't it? A place of righteousness. God will be with us. Being with God is being in the best place you could ever be in in your entire life. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Wow. So he says, I'm going to prepare a place. So right now, God's working on my place. Now, he has to spend more time on my place than on yours. Just, just saying. Just deal with it. So, trust me. I'm preparing a place for you. I'm getting it ready. It's going to be a place you're going to love. It's going to be a place called home. We get to go home. God's home. And we get to be with Him forever. It's a great place. Trust me. And then I got to trust Him for the plan that He has. The plan that He has. Do you ever look at this world and think things are out of control? Do you ever look at what's going on and think, what's with this madness and what's happening and what's going on and this is going on, this is happening, how can this be taking place? Huh? You know, I got great news for you today. God's got it. He is in control and He has a plan. He never looks down on what's going on and we go, wow, I, I wasn't expecting that one. I, I don't know how I'm going to get him out of that. Uh, you know, he never does that. He has a plan. Psalm 119, verse 91, your regulations remain true to this day. In other words, God's Word is still true. Everything serves your plans. Okay, he's got plans. What are they? Well, do you know the Bible tells us what the plan of God is? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9, God has now revealed to us His mis mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill His own good plan. And this is the plan. Okay. At the right time, He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. What's His plan? His plan is that one day, everyone will stand before God and have to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's His plan. It's going to bring it all together. It's going to happen. And He has a plan. Well, you know, okay, He's got this plan. Why doesn't He speed it up? Why is it? Well, we're told one reason is He wants more people to be in His house. And so we come to that place where I have to trust Him. His plan is at work. Now, I look around this world sometimes and I wonder if anybody's in control. And I wonder if the people who are in control should be in control. 
But yet God has everybody in the exact place He wants them to be. Well, I need to have a say in this and vote that person out because if God puts them there, I, I can't. No, He must have made a mistake there. No, every person, every leader is fulfilling the plan of God. And His ways are not ours. It's different. But He is in control. And everything is working according to His plan. Not yours, His. And His plan is always right and good. Trust Him. <sighs> okay. Because you see, that plan, it has some things that we struggle with. First of all, in His plan, God sets the timing. He sets the time. He's the God who says, this is the time. And we, you and I, like the disciples, are we there yet? Are we there yet? When? Tell me the time. Look at what Isaiah chapter 46 verse 9 says. Remember the things I've done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God. There is no one like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Everything he's planning, it's going to happen. No one can stop it. Satan cannot help him, cannot stop him cannot deviate him from the plan of which he's working. And the disciples were constantly saying, when, when, are we there yet? Is it time yet? Come on, do this. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, the apostles are with Jesus, and they kept asking him. Notice, not a one-time thing. They're nagging him. When? Is it going to be now? Is it now? Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? First of all, it's not their kingdom, it's his kingdom. They're looking for the wrong kingdom. And is the time now? You, you're going to come? You're going to come down that road? We're going to declare you in the triumphal entry? Is it time? Is it now? Is this going to be it? We think this is it. Is it there? And he tells them, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and it's none of your business. And you don't need to know. So cool your jets. His plan is going to happen at the exact time it's supposed to happen. His time. His time. He sets it. But not only that in His plan, He says, you know what, in the midst of His plan, there's going to be serious disasters. There's going to be some serious things going on in this world that you're not going to like. And in Mark chapter 13, verse 4, Again, here they go. Tell us, when will all these things happen? Is it now? Is it now? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Tell us, when will these happen? What sign will show us that these things are about to be fulfilled? And Jesus replied, don't let anyone mislead you. Many will come in my name claiming, I'm the truth. I'm the Messiah. I have the way. This is what you need to do. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But don't panic. We're hearing of wars. We're hearing of threats of wars. I've been reading some stuff over the last week or so, and now they're beginning to say, a few people, that we're at the beginning of World War III. Let me help you in your prayer life. You don't need to pray for world peace. It's not going to happen. As long as we live on this earth, there will be wars and rumors of wars. 
sin has devastated this world. And Jesus plainly tells them, look, as we get closer to the time, understand something, this is going to increase. These things will take place. The end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in many parts of the world, as well as famines and hurricanes. I just threw that in there. He, he didn't need to because they don't have hurricanes there. This is only the first of birth pains with more to come. Now, let me give you my line. You've heard it before. I'll just say it again. I do not believe in global warming. Mankind thinks that we're in control and we can fix everything. We can cure this. We can stop this. We can create this. We'll be in charge. We can eliminate this. We can do this. We can, can we fix it? Yes, we can. You know, we think we've got it. Jesus says, look, at the end, there's birth pains. I don't believe in global warming. I do believe in birth pains. I believe this world is unsettled. And what we have to accept is the fact of this. As time goes on, there's going to be more famines. There's going to be more earthquakes. There's probably going to be more hurricanes. There's going to be more issues in the environment. Right now, if it rains, it's global warming. I don't understand. Everything is that. And, you know, we just call it this and this. Why? Because we can fix it. And Jesus says, look, here's my plan. I just want you to be aware of something. That one of the ways you can know that this plan is getting close to fulfillment is the world is going to begin to suffer greatly the effects of what sin has done. Because sin has not only affected mankind, it has also affected the earth. And he says, there's just going to be more. Understand it. Trust him. Trust him. Then there will be spiritual deception. He says, okay, Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Timothy, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times some will turn away from true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites, liars, their consciences are dead. They will say, this is the way you should believe, this is what you should do. Timothy, 2 Timothy 4.3, times coming will people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires, look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. So what's going on in our schools, higher education? Everybody goes, well, it's my truth. And if I believe this, I'm okay because I believe it sincerely. And your truth for you is truth for you. And this is my truth and this is what I believe. You can believe something really strongly and be wrong. You can think you're believing the truth and not be. And this presents a real dilemma and problem for the church. I'm a preacher's kid. I've been doing this a long time because I'm an old man. Um, it's okay to say it. I am. Uh, Back in my dad's day, in the early days for me, we could stand up here and tell you, here's the truth and what you need to believe, and people would accept it. Can't do that today. Because I can say this is the truth, and you can look at me and go, well, maybe for you. 
I just don't believe like that. And is that not what is happening in our world today? And so what we have is people believing whatever they want. Truth is up for grabs, but the only truth is the truth that is found in God's Word. And that does not change. Truth is the same all the time. And you and I have to understand there's going to be a lot of deception out there of people believing they're right and they're wrong. And you and I have to say true to the truth even when we don't like it, even when it affects us, even when, well, you know, uh, I've got family members and they're the, the truth. And so there's going to be spiritual deception. Jesus tells his disciples, Paul writes about it as well. Here's what's going to happen at the end. You've got to understand, there's a plan going on, but it's going to take place. But in the midst of that, as this time comes to place, in the time that it is, there's going to be disasters, and there's going to be deception, and then there's going to be sinful times. Sinful times. We're living in sinful times. Notice what he says, 2 Timothy 3.1. You should know this, Timothy. In the last day, there will be very difficult times. People will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others, have no self-control. They will be cruel, hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Don't buy into it. Stay away from it. Paul writes in another place, he says, they thought they were wise, they became fools. And so what you have is people saying, well, we believe this is okay, and this is all right, and this is right, and you can be this, and you can do this, and you can act like this, because it's my body, I can do with it what I please, it's my way, it's my truth, I'll live for me, you do what's for you, don't impose your thing on me, and if you try to impose what you believe on me, you're a hater. And so in the last days, we shouldn't be shocked. It does hurt us, doesn't it? We do grieve over it, don't we? But we shouldn't be shocked by it because Jesus tells us clearly this is the way it's going to be before He comes again. Difficult times. We're in them, aren't we? And what's He say for us to do? Trust me. And don't be troubled. Boy, that's hard, isn't it? There's one more thing he says. There, there's going to be added stress. Added stress. We live in a day of informational overload. That's the common terminology sometimes. Daniel tells us about this. He was given a revelation about the end. And here's what the prophet hears. You, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end. Will, many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. Let me just give you some numbers. In 1900, human knowledge doubled in 100 years. By the end of 1945, the rate was every 25 years. 
Today, knowledge doubles at least every two to three years and soon expected to double every year. Online information doubles every six months. Scientific information doubles every five years. Medical information knowledge doubles every seven years. Knowledge will increase, which adds stress, because we got a lot of people that know a lot and are as dumb as a rock. Sorry, I'm a little blunt. It's okay. I'm old. I can say it. You know, everybody's got this knowledge, but we don't know what to do with it. We're not wise. And so, Jesus, disciples, listen to me. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Home. And don't be troubled by all the stuff going on. Trust me. Trust me. I've got it. Here's what's going to be happening. It's going to look like chaos. It's going to seem like there's no way you can win. It's going to feel like everything's falling apart. But understand, I am in control. And it's going to be okay. And he makes some provision for us. Provision for us. Do you understand that God wants you in heaven more than you want to be there? I'm going to prepare. I want you to be with me. There's two things that God provides us to deal with what's going on. The first one is the entrance into the Father's house. He says, I'm going to go to prayer place. You know the way. And Thomas says, no, we don't. And Jesus says, okay, Thomas, let me make it very clear to you. I want to tell you how to get into my house. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Hear me. There are not many ways to God. If someone does not believe in Jesus Christ, they are not a Christian. And they are not saved. Just the truth. Not my truth. God's truth. Well, Pastor, I find that. do you believe the truth or not? It's what Jesus said. It's what the Bible teaches. He says, look, I'm going to give you the keys to get into heaven. You come through me. You believe in what I did on a cross. You accept the, the life that I'm offering to you. You admit your sin. You choose to follow me instead of following yourself. If you come through me, you will get to the Father and into his house. But there's no other way. You can't be good enough. You can't believe it strong enough. It's only through Jesus Christ. Titus 2.11, the grace of God's been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And remember, as sin abounds, grace much more abounds, correct? And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, that's that information thing. Righteousness, devotion to God. While we look forward with hope. What's our hope? Paul says if you've only got hope in this world, you're a miserable person. Our hope is the return of Jesus Christ. To that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, 
Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. So how do you get to heaven? You accept Jesus Christ. You admit that you have sinned. You know that only sin can be dealt with through the blood of the cross. And he paid that price. And when you do that, when you come to him, when you stop living for you, when you start living for him, you have entrance into his house. But the second thing that's needed once you've done that is you need endurance. The endurance that's needed. I'd like to say, you know what, it's, it's almost over, but it's not. It could be. But you're, you and I are going to have to go on, aren't we? 1 Peter 1.6, so be truly glad. Come again? If you're not troubled and you're trusting Him, you can be glad. Okay, I'm alone in this, but that's all right. Now, the next one's going to get you. There is wonderful joy ahead. Oh, pastor, you just read all this stuff that's going on in this world. You need to look beyond that. You need to understand there's more than that. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while. And here's my line for this one. How long is a little while? Not more than 100 years. You're going to have to do it. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire, test, and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love Him even though you've never seen Him. Though you do not see Him. Now, you what? You trust Him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting Him will be the salvation of your soul. So how do I face the future? Pretty simple. Don't be troubled. Don't get all shook up. Peace of heart, peace of mind. Trust God. He's in control. Now, when I say that, let me just tell you the other thing. He's in control. You're not. But you can trust Him. He's preparing a place for you. A home. He wants you there with Him. And just as He did with the disciples and explaining to them, here's what you're going to look for, fellows. Here's what's going to happen. Here's how it's going to play out. Here's what's going to be. I'm not going to tell you all the information you want to know because you and I don't live by information. We live by trusting God. That's what faith is. I trust Him. So this morning, I'd ask you, you a Christian? And if you're not, are you willing to take that step where you come to God and say, God, you know what? I've been trying to run life on my own and be in control. And I understand that that's not good. It's not working. I need you in my life. I need some hope. I need something to look forward to. I need to know there's more going on than what I see. And I recognize I can't control it all. And I want to give my life to you. 
because of what you did on a cross. And I want to choose to live for you and not for me from this moment on. Then if you're a Christian, don't get tired. Don't lose hope. Trust him. Don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. Your way in, you picked up some elements. You see, you and I come to this place today where we're going to take communion, the Lord's Supper. Now, this is not about you being a member of a church. It's simply about one thing, you being a Christian. Why does that matter? Because if you're not a Christian, this means nothing to you. Nothing whatsoever. doesn't mean you're perfect. If only perfect people could take this, we all need to turn these in. It's about someone who believes. Someone who's not going to be troubled. Someone who's going to trust God. And in fact, here's what Paul tells us about this moment that we're about to celebrate together. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, these great words, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing proclaiming, declaring the Lord's death until he comes again. So when I take this today, here's what I'm saying. I believe Jesus Christ is coming again. And I will live my life with that hope locked in it. And I am going to live a life that is not troubled by what I see and allow the peace of God to be mine and I will trust him and what he's done with my future. That's what communion does, and that's what we're doing this morning. Every time you eat this, you're announcing, I believe he's coming again. I believe that. So Jesus gathers his disciples together the upper room and says, I want to eat this Passover with you. It's the last one I'll eat with you. And fellows, I'm changing everything from this moment on. Before Passover was about you celebrating your deliverance from bondage of Egypt. Now you're celebrating the Lamb of God who was sacrificed for your sins and His blood covers you. And this is my body. It's broken for you. And every time you eat of it, remember, I'm coming back. I'm gonna come again. And one day we're gonna do this together. What a great day that's gonna be, huh? We'll have this meal. It'll be great. Every time you do it, remember me. Shall we eat together? later on in the meal takes a cup says this is my blood without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sin but every time you drink of this don't forget what I've told you don't forget what I'm doing for you don't forget I'm coming back trust me and every time you drink 
remember. Remember me. Shall we drink together? Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.